Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Bienvenidos, señores y señores, to the Bleed Loves podcast. This episode of the Carnesada is brought to you by Bet Online. Basketball's back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all your sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. It's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events. Whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use your promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. And joining us on the Carnesada is three-time manager of the year and the author of a new book called The Book of Joe. Uh, this man needs no introduction, but I was forced to give an introduction, and that's Joe Madden. Joe, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it, Juan. Looking forward to our conversation. So, uh, look, you wrote a book. Not only did mm -hmm. you write a book, but you wrote it with Tom Verducci. Mm -hmm. I, I have to ask you, what does it feel like to write a book with someone? I mean, do you fight a lot about like whose voice we're really going to be hearing? Not at all. Um, I knew that I needed Tom Berducci to do this. Even in the beginning, uh, our uh, agent, liter literary agent, David Black, told me, listen, when you see all this come together, understand it's not going to be completely like you had said it, uh, that Tom has to be able to uh, work different things into it. And then eventually it comes out the way it came out. I couldn't have been happier. Um, of course, those are my words. Of course, those are my thoughts. Uh, I, I recorded over 100 hours of audio that I gave to Tom and then uh, had my wife's sister, Louise, transcribe it. And then he would take that along with um, Sean Desmond, the head of the publishing company, 12 and David Black. They'd get back to me the next day and they would give me a direction to dig down or auger down more deeply into certain areas. And I did this during the pandemic. So 2020 got sent home. Um, before the season began, or actually, yeah, right in uh, March, and rode the bike, 100 hours of uh, taping, and um, we'd go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, but then, um, yeah, he'd give, send me this stuff, I would go over it, I would tell him what I thought, and eventually it morphed into this, but I couldn't have been happier. I mean, you always seemed to me, listening to you speak in <laughs> interviews, like you were a very I, I, a phil philosophical person. So when you sat down and you said you recorded this were you just mm -hmm. really just stream of consciousness yeah or did you have something that what was the process of actually recording and deciding what you wanted to put in the book i went chronologically uh so i just started like back when i was a kid and tried to move it up to present day um and i found out that i was much better moving as opposed to sitting down so that's the bicycle so i'm in this uh, huge rv park really big circular rv park I get on a bike and it was hot. It was uh, the, the warmer months of, uh, of Arizona. And I put that thing in my pocket, the dictaphone. Here came the cord up here. I taped that, uh, clipped onto my necklace and I would go. And I just felt, um, like you say, a stream of consciousness. I was able to really recall events, moments. I've always been able to do that. But it was really, uh, really kind of interesting the way I was really able to dig down more deeply with direction. 
and uh, that's it. And I and I'm good. I'm good at recalling moments uh, from the past. I'm. Uh, I think that's the product of having led a really good childhood, and have had like markers in time, whether it's places I've been or how it's identifiable with music, uh, and the people that I was with. So it was not difficult. Now, I mean, listen, I'm not no photographic memory, but I was able to lay it out that way. And like I said, it got to certain moments where I was asked to get down a little bit more deeply and I, and then you're able to do it, but I need to be moving to record a hundred hours sitting here like this. I couldn't have done it. So I, as I've gotten older, I found myself, I, I censor myself less. I really mm -hmm. just feel like I could care less now what, what people, yeah. as opposed to when <laughs> I was younger, looking back, when you recorded, looking at uh, the transcripts, did you sit there and go, Oh, maybe I shouldn't say that <clears throat> because it might hurt someone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, I, I didn't want to hurt anybody, but I have to. It, it goes to that one paragraph or that one, that one um, section of the book, one true sentence. Uh, the thing that I've learned from Ernest Hemingway. Uh, there's certain things that you know, you just you're not just going to sit there and, and bleed everything out. I wanted to, I wanted to be like you suggested earlier, the philosophical component of my life, as well as the baseball component, and try to uh, morph them and meld them together. And I think that's what we did. So there's certain things. Uh, yeah, it's a, there's certain things in our life that uh, you want to keep it. It's it's a, between you and so other people. We all have that uh, moment. But uh, overall, I wanted it to appeal to, of course, baseball folk. I wanted to appeal to leadership. I wanted to, uh, whether it's a little league baseball coach, a high school teacher, uh, whatever it may be, a corporation, somebody, a CEO in a corporation. We just got a comment from somebody that it should be required reading for an MBA course. Somebody told us that uh, more recently. So that's that's what I was looking for. I'm not the kind of guy, I'm not here to grind on anybody. Listen, I'm not perfect by any means. But the point was philosophical, yes. Baseball, yes. And try to get the message out there as well as I could. So uh, one of my, the chap my favorite chapters is the try not to suck. Mm -hmm. uh, only because my compadre tells, has been telling me that for years. <laughs> That's his way of motivating us whenever we right. go play. Hey, try not to suck. So mm -hmm. are you the man who originated try not to suck? Or where did you hear try not to suck? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, actually through a conversation. David Ross and I were in a dugout and playing, you know, playing one night in Wrigley. And the concept comes from try not to embarrass yourself. Uh, as a professional, as a manager, as a player in the major leagues, you got cameras there. You got riders there. You got streaming there. You got Twitter there. You got all kind of social media there. And at the end of the day, you're just trying not to embarrass yourself. And that morphed into conversationally trying not to suck. So then all of a sudden, here comes Javi Baez up to the big leagues and I have him in my office at his little tiny office at the old Wrigley before they made it into uh, something spectacular. And Javi's sitting across from me and we get done. I'm ready to conclude. And I say, one more thing, Javi, before you leave this room, I want you to do me one favor when you go out there Try not to suck. And then I repeated that to uh, the press. They said, what did you say to Javi? And so I said, well, you know, I told him. And then the last thing I said was that. And that's where the, the legend began to the point that we've had a trademark. Jay and I have had a trademark. My wife and I, it's on T-shirts everywhere. That made a ton of dough for our foundation. And that it turned into we did not suck at the conclusion of the World Series. So it was about, think about it. You don't want to embarrass. But nobody wants to embarrass themselves. So we're really trying not to suck. Wow. Uh, so did you have the idea for the podcast all along or was that a tie-in that you guys wanted to do with the book? Do you enjoy doing a podcast? Yeah, what happened was, I mean, I've got, I got a lot of inquiries to do media after I was let go by the Angels, uh, a lot of TV stuff. And 
whatever. And then that would require a lot of travel. That would require putting a suit on. That would require a lot of things I didn't want to do right now. But the again, we, we talked about it earlier through the uh, technology that's available to us now. I'm sitting in my back room here. I'm looking out over the eighth hole of my golf course. There's a squirrel over there eating my bird food. And, and this is where I'm talking to you from. So I, I like the setting. It's something where I could get the message out via technology in this particular situation. I did like it. Here's the thing. I mean, I do want to get back into the game. And for me to get back, I need to keep my dialogue going. I need to remain contemporary with what's going on. I need to know what my thoughts are. Um, if you don't, they'll become dormant. And then once they become dormant, you could start, a, start them up again, but it takes a while to kickstart it. And for me, I like to work with a dimmer switch and not an on and off switch. So this is the dimmer switch, is to be able to, uh, this time after uh, being let go by the angels, to remain um, attached somehow and, and, and keep the dialogue going somehow without totally shutting it off, which I think will then permit me to jump back in when the opportunity arises. You know, you, you mentioned that you, you want to get back into the game and you mm -hmm. have this way of staying modern. Mm -hmm. I, I have to ask, Joe, it's not like I, I, the way you were let go by the angels, I thought was wrong. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that's classy about <laughs> you is like, it's not like this is the first time it's happened for you. Right. You've left other places. Mm -hmm. How do you suppress the emotion of it and realize, hey, I got to be careful because whatever I say now may catch up with me in the long run and might sure. prevent me from getting another job. Correct. And but and that's but but I can't worry if I'm telling you what I think. Mm -hmm. Tell me what you think, not what you've heard. That's a part of the book. So I don't want to work anywhere else under false uh, circumstances or pretenses. Um, so the book and all these things that I'm doing. I think uh, is very uh, transparent regarding how I feel and what I think. So the next opportunity I get with, would be with somebody that I want to be aligned with philosophically, emotionally, mentally, baseball-wise, whatever you want to describe it. Um, and that's it. So, yeah, you could preclude you from getting opportunities, but I don't want those opportunities anyway. I think I want to believe, uh, you know, with the Astros winning and Dusty at the helm and uh, the way the uh, industry operates, people are going to recognize that. You know, and, and uh, I know Dusty well, and Dusty obviously would listen, and and he will incorporate. But Dusty's also going to manage in a way uh, that he had been that he had learned for many years, and the people that he had learned from. I'm in agreement with that. I want to use analytics and, te and tech and everything else. I do, but when the game begins, um, there's, there's it's like it's you have to make adjustments on the fly. You have to be uh, nimble, flexible, all these different things that can't be so static. As, as information or data given to you before the game. So, yes, I want to work. Yes, uh, I'm being very transparent, but that's the only way to be. And I never would want to work under false uh, pretenses. So we are a Dodgers podcast. We, we focus sure. primarily on the Dodgers. So, mm -hmm. you know, 10 years in the, in the postseason, you know, we, we have one World Series to show for it. Look, every other organization will probably mm -hmm. take that, right? But yep. the fans... They want to see their team. I think the fans want to see more than one um, championship. This is the first time that I feel in the offseason that Andrew Friedman has taken some heat. And it's primarily in the media and, and from <clears throat> fans. Like, all this guy did is build you a perennial winner and build you an all-star team. And now, you know, we're gonna, we got to point the finger at him. I, a couple of questions. First of all, what was your experience working with Andrew Friedman when you were in Tampa? The best. 
Andrew and I still remain good friends. Uh, we, we did this together. We did the race together. Um, it was my first rodeo as a regular manager. His is, is in a, a position of GM. And um, he's younger than me chronologically, but he's no younger than me actually. So we, we, we had a really good time. And, um, and we, we could identify on a lot of levels and still do. Um, so it was very intellectual on his part, um, more, maybe more visceral on mine. So mine was more of the baseball side of things. Although, listen, I still believe he's one of the best scouts I've ever met. And that's why you have, you're in a position that you're in, um, as a young man, he, he could recognize talent. I thought I'd been a scout. I still am in the back, uh, my background. And I just thought he saw things well. I can't tell you that about everybody, but Andrew sees things well. And, um, he's not afraid to take chances. And that's why you get all these players, with uh, alphabetical last names that nobody's ever heard of that does great because he, he sees through. And I, you know, he's got a great process. So that's it. I mean, and we, we, we laugh at the same things. He, when we get together, it's a big old hug, and, and it's very warm, and it's very sincere. Rob and his wife and his kids, everybody. I know his mom, uh, Barb, really well. Uh, I really like the man a lot. So regarding Los Angeles fans, I, I listen, everybody wants to win a World Series, but it ain't that easy. And um, – They've been there often, like you're talking about. They've, they've been knocking on the door a lot. Um, so be careful what you, you might be wishing for, in a sense. Uh, just uh, understand this guy is a, that good at what he does. There's going to have more opportunities. But winning a World Series, running the gauntlet on an annual basis to get down to the last season, the last game of the season and win it, uh, there's a lot going on. It's not like back in the day, you win the National League, you win the American League, seven games, you go home. It's, it's a lot more deep. And they had injuries this year. Not having Walker Bueller is a significant loss. You know, you're a perfect person to speak to about this mm -hmm. because you've experienced it from both ends. You've lost mm -hmm. a World Series, but you also won a World Series. Mm -hmm. Looking at back, I, I, it seems all the athletes we talk to seem to remember <laughs> their failures more than their successes. Are there anything, is there anything that sticks with you from those two experiences more so than in another? I don't think you remember them more. I think you learn more from your failures than your successes. I think that would be, for me, the more appropriate way uh, of putting it. Um, you know, with the with the Rays, when we when we just we just shocked the world at that time. Everybody's talking about what's going on now, and everybody gives low payroll credit and all the the ingenuity ingenuity going on. But we were way ahead of all of that stuff back then, and uh, we carried it through. We were in the playoffs often. Um, yeah, you. What do you learn? Um, I, I would like, you know, from my perspective, I'll give you my perspective. Um, I, you, you, you'll learn to trust yourself is a, a lot of it. You learn to trust your instincts a lot. You learn to, and I've always thought I've been good at to listen and be open and, and, again, flexible and nimble. You have to be all those things, and it's just reinforced. But the, the major thing, and I'm sure Andrew feels the same way, that you've learned is that more than anything, trust your instincts. Trust Trust uh, the, your process because it does work. It does work. And, um, and it's, it's not going to work all the time. The other teams are good. Uh, you're going to sometimes you know, it's just not going to play your way. The baseball gods have this weird way of uh, sometimes giving you the inches and sometimes not permitting you those inches. It's, a, it's not a razor thin. It's a laser thin line between winning and losing on a, on a major league level, football, baseball, basketball, et cetera. So, uh, learn to trust your instincts, believe in what you, what you believe in, trust your process. That's what I've learned, and I'm still there. I mean, I do trust my process. I know where I've come from, and this book helps other people that think that I just showed up in 2007 or six and 
all of a sudden the Rays became successful and all the, the stuff that I had gone through to permit me to think in the way that I do. Just right now to talking to you right now about this stuff. It was a long, it was a long road and I'm grateful for the struggle, which also is presented in the book. So I think your, your process is validated and you might learn where you have to tweak some things a little bit, but for the most part, when you're, when you're valid, when your process and your instincts are validated, that's a very, it's a big confidence uh, builder. You know, we've had a lot of former players on the show and they all mm -hmm. seem to be telling us the same thing. When we ask them the question of like, why does it seem that the Dodgers just can't get over the top when it comes to the postseason? And they all say the same word. They always say, hey man, baseball is just random. And if that's the case, you know, sometimes, like you said, the baseball gods just, things don't go your way. But how do you then attribute the success that an organization like the Astros have, where mm -hmm. they were in the World Series four out of the last six years? It doesn't seem to be anything random about that. No, uh, I, I think their pitching has a lot to do with that. I mean, and of course, the Dodgers have had really good pitching, too. Um, um, possibly part of it is their the makeup of their, their minor leagues, how their replacement parts, Springer gone, Correa gone, Pena in. McCormick comes from right down the street here in Pennsylvania. Millerville, Millersville. I mean, come on. I mean, uh, that's to me the the nobody talks about that enough, and everybody's worried or interested in signing these sexy free agents. But to scouting and development is where it's at. That's where it's at. Um, to have the the scouts where you could replenish your system and and create an inventory based on homegrown talent that learned to play the game the way you wanted to play the game, where you're not breaking down. Um, uh, poor mechanics or poor habit or bad habits that they've accumulated somewhere else, or maybe base running wasn't as important. Maybe hitting the cutoff man wasn't as important. Maybe moving a runner from second to third wasn't as important. And you're trying to bring them together. And then you think to think that you're going to change the way somebody thinks when they're 20 or 29 or 30 years old, just because you brought in the spring training, you start emphasizing this. Not true. A lot of this stuff is like when you're, we were all kids and, um, a lot of the way we are today was built in way before we even realized it. And that's what's happening here. So when you could, and that's, that would be the thing, given an opportunity to really put something together, which I, which I would love, I would really be start with scouting and development primarily and build this mega beautiful way of teaching the game, uh, a glut of really good players, and then take it from there. And that's why Houston's been good because they, they have, these guys have grown up. They've known each other. Uh, they like each other. Not unlike back in the day, like Baltimore, even the Dodgers back in the day. Um, I'd like to see more of that. And free agency kind of probably nips that in the bud a little bit. I'm, this is a long answer, but I think it comes down to scouting and development. And so we're, we're going to wrap things up. You've been very generous with your time, Joe, but I, I have a couple of uh, things that I want to end with. Sure. Some things that I, I, I discovered about you. So you're a, a Mark Twain fan. Sure. Am, am I correct? Yep. Mm -hmm. So what is it, you know, people equate, look, I, we, all, we I read Huck Finn when I was a kid in high school, and I have to say I don't I didn't think it was hilarious, but I, he is considered to be the you know the <laughs> humorist of his time and, and and of history. I do love his quote of the the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer it's in a San, summer Francisco. San Francisco. I thought that was great. What is it about Mark Twain that you love so much? There you go. I mean, just the common sense to, to, to weave words in a way that's slightly humorous, but absolutely pertinent. Like one of my favorites with him is, and I'm really uh, attached to it, is the difference between the right word and the wrong word. It's like the difference between lightning and the lightning bug. 
I mean, that to me sums it all up. Uh, and it is. It's a lot of the, the, the Twain-isms. Um, listen, I didn't read a whole bunch of his books. I've studied more and I've read more about quotes and uh, just different things that I pick up. It's not like I sat down and read all of his books because I didn't. Like you said, it'd be tough, tough to get through. But um, his ability to cut to the chase and bring humor and, and, uh, and, a, and a real vision um, in a couple words. To me, that's really pure talent and artistry. And I would love to sit down with that man. They, one of those guys who would you like to sit down and have dinner with or a drink with he's he's one of them uh branch ricky's another one of them pat conway recently passed away author one of them i mean these are the guys that really have turned me on bruce springsteen i haven't met bruce yet uh but his music really influenced me when i was at lafayette college and i wish led zeppelin would just get back together for one concert that i could attend <laughs> and luciana Pavarotti passed away too soon i missed him Oh, man, you are a man of culture, Joe. I, I mean, other than Rebel Without a Cause, what James right. Dean movie should we watch? Um, honestly, uh, that's the one. Um, uh, I, I just watched it not too long ago sitting down here. And I mean, just the, you know, the thing about it is you watch it, the technology and the way it's presented and the, the acting looks so different. Uh, but you could just see how into it this, this uh, young man was at that time. And the fact Always when, when our icons die at such a young age, forever young, forever young, that's who he is. And, and that's how you remember him. And then for me, <laughs> I talked to you about this before. I just happened to realize years ago, February 8th is his birthday. And when I, of course, that's mine. So uh, that's my attachment to him. They love fast cars, all this stuff back to the right down to the point that was his demise. So um, I'd say Rebel Without a Cause. I mean, that sums it up in back in the 60s and actually in the 70s, I always thought I was a nonconformist in a conforming society, and I think that was the attachment. <laughs> if, you, if, there were, if baseball wasn't in your life, Joe, what would, what would you have done? Well, I, 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 I really sincerely believe uh, I would have gone to Cornell if I had, to, I had a chance to go to Cornell possibly, and they have a school of hotel and restaurant administration, and that was always really exciting to me too. I just like the, the food business and the hotel. But I thought right now, if I wasn't doing this, possibly running a resort, either in the Mediterranean or in the Caribbean, one of those two places. If I could be running a resort there and just hanging out and uh, just greeting people and being part of that vibe, I can deal with that. Wow. Well, the result world's loss is baseball's gain, Joe. And uh, we're going to end the show the way we always end the show here. Not only are we about the Dodgers, we're about Los Angeles, but we're about taco culture here. You yeah. were here, you know, with the Angels. We need to know what is your favorite taco and where did you go to get that taco? Oh, the uh, the place in um, Seal Beach. Um, gosh darn it. It's right on, um, it's right on the, right on the, right by the pier there. Gosh darn it. My kids, I should take them there all the time. Can we please? It's right on the, right off the pier in Seal Beach. Right down Main Street, you make a left. It's right. That's the place. I can't. I, I, we got to look up the name. We got to look up the name. You're gonna make. You're gonna make me go to Seal Beach now, and then just go walk up and down Main Street is what you're telling. Oh, me. It's, well, it's just go down the Main Street. You make a left right there when it when it dead ends, and two doors down, this Mexican restaurant that was my favorite. But in 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 um, in Arizona in Mesa it was Los Dos Molinos. They had New Mexican styled. Um, Enchilada. It wasn't Avilas, was it? No, it wasn't El Ranchito? Avilas. No, 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 not El Ranchito, no. Okay. Um, 
I listen, brother, you got to look this up. <laughs> it's right there. Um, I'll text somebody afterwards. Okay. My kids, the best. Uh, they, they, they had their own homemade um, uh, chips that were like big rounded ones. You know, deep fried, just almost broke, broke them like a, like a host, like a priest would do before communion. <laughs> and that was that, that was their uh, their their chips. God, it was so good. It's not taco surf, is it? Was it a fish taco? Is that no, what? no, 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 no. I I just like a good. I mean, I I love pork and anything. Uh-huh. I like I love I love uh, chili verde and anything. Um, that's always been my go to. So, are you more carnitas or al pastor? El pastor. See. All right. Yeah, there yeah, we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Fabulous. Well, Joe, we can't thank you enough for stopping by. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I, I feel you're the kind of guy that you could literally have a conversation about whatever subject. And I can't wait to see you get back into baseball. We saw Bruce Bochy. We yeah. see the success that Dusty Baker. And I feel like you were ahead of your time in the sense that you embraced the the data that you know that these front offices have been in and to me it's like that information's always been around i don't know where all of a sudden it became this this emphasis of oh we're spending too much information we've always had that information right on brother i mean that's the i mean everybody's acting as though baseball cannot survive without this method um i if you subtracted every analytical piece of information there is and went back to the advanced scout, the scouting departments, player development. It did all that. I promise you the best team's still going to win, and it's going to be a little bit more entertaining because the whole game's going to be played and not just a micro of the game. Well, again, thank you, Joe. Best of luck with the book. Everybody, thank you, brother. you know, the book of Joe and then also his podcast. You get to hear all this stuff. And then we're going to figure out this taco place that, that Joe's talking about. I, I'm, uh, God, uh, how do I... Okay, I'm going to have the people, you know, uh, from... I'll have Roger. Yeah. Yeah, please. Yes, because it's right there and it's driving me nuts. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, no worries. There we have it. There you you go, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Madden, thank you. Be well, man. Thanks, Juan. I appreciate it. Big thank you again to Joe Madden for joining us on the show. I, I really I really enjoyed that conversation, babyface. What was the thing that stuck out the most to you? I mean, just hearing Joe, I mean, he's, he's, you know, down to earth guy, you know, he, he, he's been in this game for a long time and, you know, kind of hearing some of those things that, 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 you know, we've heard about the game, you know, just, you know, the randomness, you know, um, what it takes to win, what, what kind of sticks out to a manager or, you know, world series winning manager, right. And Joe Madden, you know, what, what kind of, he remembers what he takes, you know, from his losses and, you know, and, you know, winning the, you know, the world series and, and, you know, just um, all that, you know, and, and uh, I mean, I thought he was great, you know, um, yeah, and rooting for him, you know, get back in the game. I think, you know, the, the game needs, you know, more guys like Joe Madden in the game. You know what I thought was interesting? And we didn't even get into the fact that this guy spent 15 years in the minors, right? Yeah. So not only that, and then when he got the Rays job the year before, it's not like he inherited a great team. The year before, the Rays had the worst record in baseball. And the next year, he had him in the World Series. I mean, we all saw what he did with the Cubs. The fact that, you know, the Cubs hadn't won a World Series in 108 years. And then Joe Madden comes along and the Cubs win the World Series. It's in his book. So I strongly encourage you guys to read the book of Joe. But he goes into what happened with the Cubs in terms of after they won the World Series, why didn't things work out? Look, I'll say this. 
I, I mean, Dave Roberts has not done anything contrary to what a lot of people feel. I don't think Dave Roberts has done anything to lose his job. But if Dave Roberts, we always ask the question, you always ask this baby face. Okay, if Dave Roberts, then who? I think Joe Madden would fit in very nicely as a manager of the Dodgers. And honestly, I, I didn't get a chance to ask him this and, and because we ran out of time, but I feel like he has Dodger connections because he was on that staff with Sosha. And uh, that coaching staff, when the Angels won the World Series, was mainly all Dodger players. So if you guys are worried about you know the Dodger way, I, I feel like Joe Madden was indoctrinated into the Dodger way. What do you think? Yeah, and we mentioned it too. He has that connection with Andrew Friedman. You know, he's talked he talked very highly of Andrew Friedman. You know, not not saying anything, you know, about Dave Roberts. You know, Dave Roberts right. is the manager, but you know, just I actually thought when when Friedman came and then uh Manley was gone, right? They were gonna pick their guy. I actually thought Joe Madden was gonna be the guy that, that was gonna come over, but he was still in, in, in um he was still in Tampa Bay and it wasn't until the next season that he got the Angels job. I mean the Cubs job. Um, so, but at that time there was some rumblings like, "Hey, maybe it's going to be Joe Madden." Bit right, yeah, up, I remember and, that. And then, and then he ended up going with Doc. So there is that connection. You know, it, it is interesting. I mean, you never know what happens in baseball, and and you know, Joe Madden is looking for a job, and you you know, you you don't know. It doesn't look like he's going to get a job this year because I mean, I, there's no openings right this year. Yeah. So I mean, you never know what what's going to happen down the road. But but Joe Madden, I mean, he he. You know he uses the analytics, but as he said, you gotta also use your your feel, right? Your feel for the game, and I think that's something that I think a lot of Dodger fans kind of would uh, would be open to. You know, they they were they don't really want to see that by the script, which we think is happening. And you know, you know they may say it's not happening, but you know we 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 kind of seen it. You know, in, in managers like Dusty Baker, that they use the analytics, but they also go with that feel for the game. Did that did that surprise you that analytics? Because I I always felt that he embraced the analytics, right? But the answer that he gave us didn't seem like like he embraced it. I mean, what did you think of that? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I think you know he like he, like we were discussing this. You know, he kind of knows. You know, okay, if this you know if this uh, player is is killing is that killed us or killed this pitcher, you know, he he kind of knows. Uh, that's the analytics, right? Like it's yeah. been there, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, I think everybody, every manager has to kind of embrace the analytics in, in today's game. Right. It's like, yeah. I don't think if a manager said, no, what, I'm not using any type of analytics, it's probably not going to work. Right. So I think, you know, he's taking, you know, he, take, takes what he can take, you know, like uh, if I can take this part and use this bit and use this bit, but I think a lot of his managing is still by feel and kind of his gut feeling of, of how the game is progressing. I, I think you bring up a very good point. Can you think of any organization that doesn't use analytics in today's game? No, I mean, it's, there's every team. I mean, every like the thing with, um, you know, Bochi just got back into the game, yeah. right? And I don't, I don't think Bochi is a high analytics guy. Um, right. I think he's more of that type of feel guy. And, uh, it was interesting because when he when he supposedly retired right from San Francisco and he just got a new job, I think there was something more to that. I think he kind of that's kind of when when uh, Farhan took over and they you know Farhan big. You think he guy. was forced out? I, I think it was kind of more of something like that. Like hey, you know what? We're moving in a new direction. 
retire retiring starts but you know sounds better than you know getting fired right yeah especially bruce bochi right um so i think that might have had done something a little bit something to do with it and um and let's see how he does in texas you know let's see uh texas still has a lot of work to do especially in that division but um bruce bochi you know let's see uh let's see what what he can do there you know, it, it's interesting that you mentioned that about Bochi being forced out. I, that's how I always felt about Lasorda. After Lasorda had the heart attack, I felt like that was a perfect time for them to sever ties with him and use his health as an excuse. Because there's no way if the Dodgers fired Tommy Lasorda, that was going to be a PR nightmare. And I don't think Lasorda was going to willingly leave that position like i don't think that guy ever wanted to retire so i i always thought okay well now the health situation is a perfect way for the dodgers to i mean by then he'd already been managing for 20 years and how many times do we hear that you know teams need to hear a new voice that's why when people were saying the rumblings about dave roberts maybe needs to go maybe that's what it is is that the, the, the players just need to hear a new voice but and we're going to talk about this in future episodes, the turnover now with the team, there's going to be some new players to these new players. Dave Roberts is going to be a new voice. And maybe that's another reason to keep Dave Roberts. But, uh, you know, speaking of Lasorda, who for me will always be the Dodgers manager, whenever anybody asks me who's the Dodgers manager, it's Tommy Lasorda. I think Tommy, and I, I mean, you tell me if there is, I think Tommy was the last celebrity manager. I cannot think of another manager since Tommy that had such a, a dominating personality because it does seem like now managers nowadays are about the analytics. They're about like servicing and they, they kind of don't have a, a long shelf life. I mean, Bochi won three world series for the giants and how long was he there? Was he there like 10 years max? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, the way baseball is shifting now, it's like a, a manager. It's a lot of new guys, right? Like, yeah. like back in the day, you know, you'd have you know Whitey Herzog, Tommy yeah. Lasorda, you know, Larusa was around. You know, it was kind of these same managers, but now it's like, hey, let's try a new guy, right? Let's try somebody yeah. new. Like the Marlins going, they're going with Skip Schumacher, right? Like, yeah. it's just something new. He's been in the game, right? But let's let's try something new. Like, why is that? I don't know. I mean, you know, guys like. You know, Madden, you know, Dusty Baker, you know, Bochi. I mean, they're kind of a dying breed, right? Like, I mean, as far as, you know, Dusty Baker, I think Dusty Baker has a very, you know, uh, you know, he, uh, outgoing personality. He's still one of those guys that people love to listen to and, and hear him speak. You know, he's kind of he's kind of got that that celebrity moniker, I would think. he's he's. I mean, he's not out there like Tommy Lasorda, obviously. Right. But, but I think, you know, he's somebody that that people want to hear, you know, so many people were rooting for Dusty Baker, right? We, yeah. Unfortunately, it's with the Astros, right? But so many people were rooting for him to to win and finally get over that hump. So something like that. But real, real quick, we were talking about Roberts. Um, were you surprised to see that he's in the top three for the manager of the year? I, I was. I, I was yeah. because I felt it's kind of like the Phil Jackson effect for me where it's just like every year he's in the championship and he was never really given serious consideration for for coach of the year because i think the success was just taken for granted in the sense that hey you got an all-star team over there you should be winning 
So we're going to reward you for what you should be doing. It almost seems to me like that manager of the year award is basically who has the shittiest team and can overachieve the most. And then that's who is that's who's the manager of the year. But there's a lot of stuff that Roberts and, and we've heard this from people. I think what people think Roberts do, does really, really well is manage the personalities in the locker room. And that is actually part of the game. You got to get, I mean, who else can get these guys to buy into the fact you're not going to play every day? They have players on that team that felt that they should be playing every day. So I, I was I was very surprised by that. Yeah, I was surprised too, because like you said, you know, they have all the, they have an all-star team and people are saying, oh, this team should just be able to go out there and win, right? But it, it's not that simple, right? Even you have a lot of egos. You have, you know, Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, all these guys that they want to do their thing, right? But Doc is the one that kind of keeps that together. And, and hey, you know what? You're going to take time off here. You're going to play here. You're going to do this. Uh, I don't think that it's that easy. We kind of saw it with the Padres, too, with, you know, when they got sold on those trades. It took them a while to really start playing yep. together. It's not that easy. Hey, you put a bunch of superstars together, and they're going to go out there and perform. You know, it's not that easy. So I think I think that's one of the reasons, you know, that, that they saw it this year with uh with Dave Roberts um and you know some I was surprised um uh, uh Rob Thompson wasn't wasn't in there for the Phillies right because who, yeah. who is it? it's it's Snicker it's Snicker Snicker uh Dave Roberts and uh who's the third uh go ahead and look third? it up and, and and I'll vamp but I think you uh, you you have a very interesting point there in the sense of that guy Thompson for the Phillies but the Phillies really, the, the Phillies got hot, I guess, at the very end in order to get into the playoffs, but they really never had a dominating stretch. And I think once they fired Girardi, I think there was no expectations. Honestly, I don't think anybody even acknowledged the job Thompson was doing until the Phillies got into the NLCS, until they got into the World Series. Did you end up finding it? Yeah, so it's it's Snitker, Roberts, and, and Showalter. So it's three teams that you kind of expected to win this season, right? Yeah. It's not really it's not really that that guy that like took a team out of nowhere and and got him into the postseason. Now, it, of course, it's it's regular seasons that, that have nothing to do with the postseason. What happened in the postseason? But you know, like I said, you know, Thompson could have been the guy that that you know he took a team from the Phillies. Obviously, he got him into the playoffs, and like I said. What, he, what they did in the playoffs that that wasn't in consideration but but yeah I'm kind of surprising that those those were the top three guys kind of you kind of expected those teams to win this year right yeah I mean we need to we need to find somebody who has a vote in that so they can explain to us because I uh, to me I I never especially when it comes to managers it's like what are you looking for what is the criteria in order to get them to qualify because if it's just based on records then it should be the three guys that are are nominated this year. I mean, that's what we do with the players, right? With the players, we can look at their numbers. So how, what's the criteria for managers? When you look at the American League, it was Francona, uh, Brandon Hyde from the Orioles, and Scott Service from the Mariners. So the Mariners kind of, you know, they did something they haven't done in a while. The Orioles were kind of in contention right yeah. to the very end. So you can see that. But, but that's more my theory, right, yeah. with the Orioles. Nobody expected anything from the Orioles. And because they contended, it was like considered a miracle in many baseball circles. Like, wow, look at what the Orioles are doing. So I just I don't know what the criteria and, and, is. And even uh, with Francona, the Guardians, I didn't I didn't think that they were going to 
win that division, right? Or like no. everybody had picked the White Sox from the beginning of the year, right? I know I picked the White Sox. Yeah, I picked yeah, the right. White Sox. And I only picked the White Sox because all my friends are from the south side of Chicago because everybody knows I fucking hate La Russa, So I didn't need to have my head examined uh, for that pick. But anyways, um, so, oh, Joe, Joe Madden got back to us for those of you listening to the show. And we know the name of the taco place in Seal Beach that he was talking about. It's called El, Bur- El Burrito Jr. So if you guys are in Seal Beach... For one adventure there, go check out the tacos there. Let Joe Madden know whether he was right or not. Uh, so, again, that was uh, that was really great. I really enjoyed uh, talking to Joe Madden. Again, for those of you listening, if you've just stumbled across us, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. You can listen to it when you're driving into work. You can have it in the background when you're working at home. If you want to watch our beautiful faces... Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can watch all past episodes on there. We also even put in some other little one-off videos on our YouTube channel. So, look, we're going to give you Dodger content, right? That's the main focus. But we might throw off some one-off episodes where we have some different guests, somebody like Joe Madden. So, continue. Please help us spread the word. Get people to find out about the Bleed Lows podcast. So uh, that's going to do it for us on this episode. This episode of the Cognizada has been brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. Buenas noches, everybody. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.